Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get uniquely yours ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. And real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions. And a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. Steve Austin is back. The Steve Austin Show is back and better than ever with new exciting episodes featuring tales from his new life, unbelievable past adventures, talks to pro wrestling pals, you name it, Steve's on it. Download new episodes of The Steve Austin Show every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. The June 20th edition of the PFF Forecast We've got apparently a very slow week in news, so we'll talk about that. We have one very mean, very good tweet. We're going to do a recap of the Kansas City-New England series from last season. That'll be a lot of fun. We're going to review slash preview the Tennessee Titans, and then we have a couple of stories uh, from the YMCA of Cincinnati. Let's rock. A slow news. Except for I just saw something. Did you see this? The Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Wait, I'm sorry. What sport? Have have petitioned and received the Major League Baseball's permission to explore becoming a two city team. Wow. Tampa Bay and Montreal. 
Wow. This isn't like the, you know, they're not, those are not New even, Orleans Hornets. Being how far like is that flight? New Orleans and, and like Oklahoma City. But this is like, yeah, Montreal to Tampa Bay. We're talking about like five, six hours. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's five hours. Yeah, I mean, that's no joke. So, like, but th- who would want to play there then? You'd, like, need to have a residence in both areas. You know. I mean. Who would want to play in Tampa to be So, I'm with, guessing but. they'd just be in a hotel. Like, their primary residence would still be Tampa Bay. And this doesn't seem like it, like, would be that cost effective. All right. Which NFL team is the best candidate for a dual residency, and where should they go? I mean, I think Buffalo. The, bu- the Buffalo Bills should beat the Toronto Bills. Oh, you so you like the candid idea? Uh huh, I do. Because um, I, I, I'm not. Like, I mean, I think we should make it slow because, like, the US, United States is kind of on the right. So, like, we should just slowly. So, I, like, the Vikings should move. I to think Winnipeg. Canada's fine, but I don't think it's nearly as exciting as doing, um, as having the Chargers or the Raiders be half in Vegas, half in LA, yeah. half in Mexico. That'd be awesome. So how and many it, halves is that? So it'd be fair. What? How many halves was that? It's one half. Oh, okay. So is, so if they were both half in, so they no, were like what, either any of those teams. Oh sure, are a good candidate for it. I think the Chargers are the best candidate. Here's why: they have no home field advantage. They haven't had a home field advantage in forever, right? So all of a sudden you take them to Mexico, and now they've got this. Advantage because theoretically they get used to playing it now. So if so, what if we did this? Where we're not we, off track. This is exactly what, what we if we, to do. what if we so so okay. The Seattle Seahawks would go to play in Vancouver. The the Minnesota no, but Vikings. Seattle. I feel like the reason Tampa Bay is making this move is that their home fans kind of stink. It's not great. Yeah. Seattle doesn't need to go anywhere. No, I'm saying if you like, I'm changing the topic just a tad to like if everything, if everyone, the, moves. if the U.S. teams were to move to different countries, what would be like the oh. the the most natural? So it'd be like Buffalo would move to Toronto, Minnesota would move to like Montreal, or no, not, sorry, Minnesota would move to Winnipeg, Detroit would move to Windsor. Yeah, we They're could probably do a pretty good like. You're destroying the league. Where do all the teams in the South go? The ocean. Well, I like the like the Cuba Dolphins. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which team which team is playing in uh the the middle of the ocean? The Hor- ship. The Juarez. Uh, the, the Bucks are just moving to a pirate ship and they're going to play. That'd be sweet actually. You know how they have college basketball games on a ship? That'd be awesome. All right, the other news here is that um Matthew Stafford played with a broken back apparently. So mm-hmm. That's true grit. He was carrying uh, Matt Patricia, and it just gave out. You hate to see it. Um, I mean, that explains why their rush, rushing offense got so much better, yet their overall offense really yeah. struggled. That makes that, Now it makes all the sense in the world. John Fox thought the Bears had the worst offseason in the NFL. It makes me kind of like I'm conflicted because obviously we're like pro Bears under, that. but then also John Fox is like kind of the worst. So like that's a ha- bad take. Why, how could they have the worst offseason? Well, they didn't have any draft picks. Well, and then right. They, and then they didn't they trade up for Montgomery, too. So they like kind of sure. like chased a little. So maybe maybe John Fox. Is they lost woke. Adrian Amos and they got and I got to imagine lost Bryce. Ha ha Clinton Dix is not a John Fox kind of player. True. You know, yeah, I guess you could make the claim that it's not the 
they did have a great the best. Yeah. They didn't upgrade a quarterback. Losing those two. No, he's getting better, so they did upgrade. Um, they're actually, the mean tweets have some uh, some good Bears content here. Uh, here's the one that I thought was great. Jack Wright said, oh, good. Timon and Pumbaa got a hostage. Referring to Kevin. Referring to Kevin. So Kevin will like that because he, he was hoping that he'd get some hate from mm. the loving fans out there, and he did. Adam H., who... Interestingly, I replied to this because because uh, that's what you do. That's what one does, and eventually this like comment turned into yeah. But if the Bears weren't quite as good, Trubisky's yards per attempt and completion percentage would be somehow better. And so we're we're talking to a, a really really uh, uh, astute football fan here. But they said they pick Trubes got a great vibe with them calls him true second <laughs> worst boys. game to watch against a belichick defense notoriously hard for young quarterbacks dot 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 watch lions at bears bears at 49ers and bears at vikings then talk about how trubisky did in those games and i kind of looked okay so first off the lions suck so good you know, trubisky had a great game against the lions but Trubisky threw for 163 yards in the week 17 game against the vikings with an 86 rating so I don't know if 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 I'd re- if I'd point that game out, and then of course the Bears scored a whopping 14 points against the 49ers in the other game he refers to. So I mean I guess two out of three ain't bad, but like he's only getting one out of three here. It's not great. Although if you play baseball in two states or two countries, that's great. One do you, out of three. Do they start to time. like? Do they change all the media guides when they move to Montreal? Everything's in like the metric system. Like I'm like two meters tall. I don't know, man. Uh, you are talking to the wrong person. I cannot watch baseball until like until game until seven. the Rays become the Montreal Rays until July. Until Joe Buck starts uh, opining beautifully over the World Series. This one I found pretty funny. And only from, then, and only then, I only watch it if it's like the only thing on. This one I found funny from Chronos Sefly. Man, is the dude on the right referring to George, a Packer fan? Why do I bother watching PFF videos? Question mark. How, how do you know? Huge Packer fan here. Well, given how overweight you are, born and bred, and true. How good your football takes good are. Point. Look, I was having a bad day. I may may have had some you ice would, cream the night before. That's like reminds me of that onion article that said like when Aaron Rodgers like sat out a week in Green Bay and like his face got all like fat mm. and I. Uh, I you, would, in, you would struggle to fit in in Wisconsin. I, feel. <laughs> I was in L.A. this weekend, and I went to get ice cream with my sisters. And, of course, they, you know, like, oh, I'll have a half scoop of this and, you know, whatever. You hate to see it. So I get up there, and I don't eat ice cream a lot, but when I do, I eat it all. So I, I got a waffle cone with three scoops on it. The lady kind of looks at me. She's like, you know, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. And, yes, like, they all need to be full scoops. So it takes her like five minutes. She gets it together. You know, it's a mound of ice cream. Everyone's like, who's the fat ass that's going to have this? Comes over to me, hands it to me, and goes, good luck. <laughs> she looked at her and was like, I don't need luck here. Are you kidding me? This thing's gone in two minutes. So that explains why I looked so hefty and why I looked like a Packers fan. I'm not a Packers fan. I'm a Niners fan. You should know this. All right, let's, let's go into the game reviews. These were fun. So we watched Kansas City. At New England, week six, that was a Sunday night game. Probably the best Sunday night game of the year, 
I don't think that's a stretch. There were some other good ones, but that that would be certainly in the top three, in my opinion. And then New England at Kansas City in the conference championship game in what was a much colder setting. Um, although Kansas City at New England actually wasn't super warm. So uh, both very good games. Both were three-and-a-half, three-point spread, a lot of points being scored. And to me, both games were sort of similar. Was what, that, that James White just dominated both games? Yeah. I don't know. Were you, were you surprised by how similar the games felt? Not. I mean, so in a sense, they, they ended up the same, more or less. But the, the first game was more fast-paced. True. So we had the over in the first game, and it wasn't really in doubt. The game was basically a track meet from the start. And, you know, Patriots got out ahead 14 nothing. Patriots well in in the in the AFC title game the Patriots only got out ahead seven nothing right. and we're going to go into the half up seven nothing but Sorry, then that was in the uh, championship yeah yeah and then James White had like a great series and it capped off by a Dorsett touchdown at the end of the half which really to me if you're thinking about what was the one thing that kept the Chiefs from the Super Bowl is that touchdown at the end of the first half in my opinion because Kansas City had like weather the storm in the you know the Reggie Ragland interception in the end zone uh you know the they held New England at least on one series whereas in the game at Foxborough in week six the Patriots drove all the way down to the Chiefs territory missed a fourth down right uh they drive all the way down into Chiefs territory kick a field goal right they get a touchdown after the high tower interception and like they basically scored on every single possession except for the times that they killed themselves which was the one time brady like held the ball for 17 seconds and finally allowed breland speaks to get a sack on him um and i believe like there was an edelman drop that led to the field goal that put them up only seven before the tyree kill touchdown so like in that game i think that the the Patriots really beat themselves as the only defense, whereas I think in the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs did some things defensively that stopped the, the Patriots, but the, but ultimately the results were the same. Yeah, so going back to, to week six, I in watching this game, the question mark was how will Pat Mahomes fare against Bill Belichick, known for completely destroying young quarterbacks it's just what he does first half it feels like uh uh-oh as a person that roots for the chiefs and is a pat mahomes fan did you feel that way were you nervous after that first half or after that first you know it was it was 17-6 at one point there were two to three really bad overthrows um in that first three drives i guess Mm -hmm. he had the kelsey at hunt and i think he had hill too well, I mean, we have to go back to what we thought about the Patriots at the time. So it, as a, at week six, as week six was happening, the right, three pa- and two, they were three and two. They had bad losses against uh, the Jaguars and bad loss, a bad loss against um, the Lions. They were undefeated at home during the season, but there was really no reason to, you know, they, they had kind of a sluggish win against Houston. They had a, you know, they were not an impressive team. Right. So when I saw Mahomes, Mahomes missed Kelsey on a big play, um, there was a, there was an interception that he had at the end of the half that they were going in trying to tie the score, um, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't see those as like, oh my gosh, this team's so good, and if you miss opportunities against them, you're screwed. I saw it as, 
I mean, the Chiefs are doing everything they can. They're just messing this game up, right? Yeah. So, um, whereas in the AFC Championship game, I very much thought that. I very much thought when the Dorsett touchdown happened, I, you know, I thought, oh my gosh, this this game's over. The Patriots are going to stomp on their head. When the Chiefs drove all the way down and got sacked out of field goal range in the first half, I thought the same thing. Mm. In the in the Sunday night game, I'm just, you know, we had never seen Mahomes have to come from behind that much. And so it was sort of this new experience for Chiefs fans, I thought, at the time. Interesting. I was I had the exact opposite reaction. So watching game six or the game in week six, I remember watching it live being terrified that, oh, no, you know, we've seen a guy get out to a hot start. He seems like a great quarterback. And now the wheels are starting to come off and maybe, you know, the the hype is not. Uh, going to be borne out and then when the championship game came around it was like i'm not worried about this at all in fact in my notes reading uh going back over it i believe towards the start of the second quarter it's seven nothing new england um and they have an opportunity to kind of press their advantage they have a fourth and one at the 41 and they punt i know and it was just a disaster and the funny thing about it was that so i know i'm jumping the gun here to the championship game but um New England is up seven nothing. Kansas City on their second drive got a has, first down. Has a fourth and a half yard yep. at the thirty and decides to punt. And to me, that was where yep. I started to get nervous because Andy Reid has a penchant for drawing up beautiful plays and then making decisions yep. that trump them. And well, especially Bill, you're playing Belichick, with house's money, right? You're playing with and you're playing with the defense. That literally, couldn't stop anybody. The decision to punt there was nonsensical to me of course belichick returns the favor yeah, yep. in a much more obvious situation yeah. and my note was the, the Patriots should be up 21 nothing here yeah. so to me in that game i was not worried at all because i thought kansas city had sort of dodged a bullet i knew mahomes could come back yeah uh, but i want to get back to week six here so the the things that really stuck out to me watching this game were the patriots don't have a great pass rush but it was very noticeable in this game, and then was something I was looking for in the next game, how the blitz impacted Mahomes. And it wasn't always an all-out blitz. Sometimes it was a guy sort of just reading his keys and making a smart decision when a back was staying in. But the pocket was continually getting pressed. Mahomes just did not look comfortable um, during that game. And it was really shocking because overall in those two games, against the blitz, Kansas City was 5.9 yards per play. New England, 10.8, and the Patriots blitz twice as often. So um, it really worked, and generally the blitz is something that helps teams, that helps quarterbacks, and in in those games it did not. If you can pick it up, right, And and that was the thing that we saw you know later on in the season like for example against baltimore you know against la i believe like mahomes did a very good job of avoiding pressure and eventually making throws you know he was the highest graded quarterback under pressure but in this particular game and in the nfc afc title game in the first half it did really knock him off of his spot and that you know and i I thought it was I, I, I'm with you. I thought, you know, when you look at this when you look at this game, when Andy Reid got to set his feet as a play caller, I mean there was some the screen pass to yep. Kareem Hunt early in the first half, early in the second half when he got Hunt on that same basic play that Alex Smith hit Hunt on in week one of twenty seventeen. Yep. Like there were all and then of course in the AFC title game, Damian Williams scored three touchdowns, looked like an, a superstar based on all these Andy Reid plays. I thought when Mahomes and Reed were allowed to set their feet. 
the, the Patriots had no answer personnel-wise. So uh, it was good for the Patriots to sort of get Mahomes off of his spot uh, in the first half of both of these games because ultimately the Patriots needed every one of, you know, the, the fact that the I believe Chiefs had nine points in the first half of both games, they needed every bit of those, not nine points. Well, that's why going into the championship game, I thought this was the Chiefs have this. All they have to do is avoid this catastrophe of a first half. Not only did Andy, Andy Reid decided then not to go for a fourth and six uh, in the second quarter of week six at the goal line down yeah. uh, 17 to nine. Of course, the uh, half ends, I think it was 24 uh, nine on a on an interception or something like that yep. um, to end the half. And. Yeah, you know those things the overthrows by Mahomes there was of course the the Edelman play where he's going in he's got a step his glove comes off so he pulls the glove back on before he scores which you know Antonio Cromartie could obviously learn a thing or two about that um from from our good man Edelman but like those types of plays where you sort of expect things to bounce the other way all the bounces went New England's way in that game and and then they have the firepower it just they had so many drives where it was two plays, and you're like, "Wow, you know that that's yeah. how the that's how Kansas City got back into both of these games is they had those just tremendous long plays." Well, and I uh, wonder how this how this favors for them in the future because you know historically we've seen offenses like this, like take you know the '98 Vikings when they first got Moss and Cunningham and Carter and all that kind of stuff, and they were like quick strike. Mm-hmm video game type offenses in subsequent seasons you had teams literally change their coverages for moss and when you had to cross the street 10 times on the way to the end zone you got hit by a car right so so the question is is when the chiefs don't have this firepower of being able to score so quickly will that be an adjustment for them in 2019 because you know we and we saw it a little bit i mean the ravens for example in that game at arrow had made them do that right uh to some degree like the colts in the playoffs made them do that and in the afc title game they weren't like this deep quick strike offense they were more of this down the field down the field you know sammy Watkins using some of the complementary pieces but that is as a chiefs fan that's something i worry about because you know it's easy to score quickly when you have that firepower but when another team makes you be patient up and down the field it's not quite as simple well that and i think that's worth talking about in these two games there were two players who were over 10 yards per target gronk and tyreek hill and both had 16 targets and tyreek hill was about a yard clear of gronk i mean it's obvious that he creates you know even when he's not targeted it's obvious what he does but just having a guy that you're so worried about every time you throw the ball his way it's basically a first down yep. you know like that's going to co- you know cause you to overcompensate and we've seen it's so interesting we've seen New England do exactly this in fact this series is a good example i thought Josh Gordon even though he was not on the same page as uh, Tom Brady in that in those games really was an advantage for them and it was noticeable yeah. in the second game they did not have nearly as good of a deep threat they adjusted and were able to and I'll talk about this in a second here with Julian Edelman in motion they had picked up on this in week six and they just torched yep. the Chiefs but it will be very interesting to see if they can do that yeah Hill and Kelsey combined for just 75 75- receiving yards in the second game and the Chiefs were able to counter off of that that was a Damian Williams generational talent well and Watkins had four catches for 114 yards and like so by the way CBS when Williams scored they put up 
Damian Williams, but they abbreviated his first name D-A-M. So it just said, damn, Williams. Yeah. And well, I couldn't agree more. Because I believe the Chiefs have Daryl Williams as a running back <laughs> yeah. as well. So it shows it's like great. the interchangeability of that position. Uh, you make a great point about you make a great point about the way in which New England went about their business in Game Six versus you know uh, the AFC title game. Michelle twenty nine carries right like they weren't even actually that efficient running the football. Both Michelle and Burkhead were un- and James White were all under four yards a carry themselves in this game. But it was sort of that efficiency, you know, especially James White on third downs, and then you know sort of the underneath stuff. To Edelman Gronk wasn't that big of a factor down the field in the first game he had to be in the second game on Barry for example in that last drive because they missed Gordon Gordon it wasn't necessarily the catches he made but like he had he drew a pass interference penalty on Steven Nelson in the end zone that caused a touchdown he or he was just a you know a, an advantage player for New England that, I, that they really did miss in the AFC championship game in that championship game it, to me it was New England almost seemed to be trying to use all three downs. It, it was almost as if first and second down were an experiment. Yeah. They wanted, they knew they could convert at a high enough rate, or they felt they could convert at a high enough rate on third down. They were just sort of toying with them, wanted to make sure that Kansas City's defense got tired. And that's not usually something you can rely on. But New England converted 78% of third and five plus. Yeah. By far the highest of any game that season. I mean, it was an absolute... They well, they- they averaged almost 13 yards per play on third and five plus. Kansas City was negative four. Well, and that, but that makes you know that when they went into this game, they felt that they were the underdog. Yeah. If you like, you you look at like you look at like how people talk about the run game and how people talk about. Um, you know how to play when you're you know a, an underdog and disadvantaged they say like you should ex- you should um, shorten the game you should you know do all these things and you know if you're not sharp what that means is run on first down run on second down and you know take your chances but in new england's case they understand that like okay let's use all three downs because we know that in week six we scored early and we scored often and kansas city just came back over the top and scored early and scored often we almost lost right Right, right. so in the afc championship game they're like okay the first drive for them took all the way until 655 in the first quarter you were the best player in the nfl on the other side of the field and he doesn't even get to play in the first half of the first quarter that's smart right And, and a lot of it was that they were efficient in the run game early but really what it was was you know waiting until third down making short throws making you know like shortening the game um by 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 extending time of possession for them but in their own patriot patriots way very patriotic of them patriotic two kind of things that um schematically stuck out to me was their usage of edelman in motion in this game and how effective they were they would sort of motion him in basically to like a tight bunch or into a, into the slot in a tight bunch um and so i went back and looked in week six it turns out they did that as well when edelman was in motion over the course of these two games they averaged 11 yards per play um which is just ridiculous and it turns out they actually used him in motion more in week six so they certainly learned from that game and they took advantage of all of the little things right they were efficient when they blitzed Right? They were able to hold Kansas City back. They forced Mahomes to do things that he normally doesn't do. Everyone likes to talk about Mahomes being this, you know, he makes these plays out of structure. But really the reason that this offense was so great is that within structure, they were the best, right? Andy Reid's scheme was so good, and Mahomes could execute it at a level that few few in the game, regardless of, of who their coach is, could, could get to. 
And to me, the way that you think about this is, okay, when you drop back, your first look is going to be open and it's going to be a a big gain, right? That's how you sort of identify a great scheme. Uh, Obviously, there are more ways, but that to me is a linchpin. On first look throws against the Patriots, 30% of Mahomes' throws were uncatchable. Over double his rate his normal during rate. The, the rest of the, or the, against every other opponent. So New England, to me, exemplified why they are sort of the MJ Bulls of this current, um, you know, sort of iteration of the NFL. They're always prepared. They never seem to let drama or whatever's happening outside get to them. They kind of... It, they exemplify that we're not going to say anything. We're just going to play mentality. And I thought that showed in both of these games. They make you play left-handed, right? And that's, you know, yep. you know, of course, you know, there, there could have been a number of reasons. Mahomes could have been off, but it also could have been good coverage. We know that good coverage affects, uh, you know, a quarterback's accuracy, all that kind of stuff. But again, it does. And, and to the Chiefs' credit, like, you know, I hate, you know, we can continue to say this, but they had the lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And like, you know, we're, we're ready, you know, we're an offside penalty away. We're, there were 10 different things away from making the Super Bowl, despite the Patriots, I think, playing an extremely good game. Uh, in in beating them, the so. luck goes both ways. Though I mean, Mahomes tried to throw a game-ending in, interception as well, got dropped. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I think we can throw some of those plays out. I thought of this though. So New England, their style is okay. We're going to do things that are simple yet sort of you're not prepared for, right? Like Cordero Patterson playing running back. You know, it's like these little things that are simple. It, but they just make the difference because you do them in all these different places. Whereas Kansas City is like, we're a Ferrari. We've got the best horses in all facets, and we're just going to run this exotic stuff um, that is going to m- make you spin in circles and hit these big plays. To me, I I think the the Patriots way is more sustainable, but maybe harder. Like It's more work to make sure that that keeps working. I don't know what the what do Patriots. You think the Patriots grew up with a quarterback that's far less talented than Mahomes, so they had to like learn how to. They, they had to sort of like learn how to win this way, and then well, the all Chiefs the Chiefs had Alex Smith. So and then yeah, that's right, and then and that's why we saw such efficiency gains. I mean, there, it's not dissimilar from when you know the the Patriots win in '06, and then they got Moss in '07, and all of a sudden, holy shit! Like this team's like really good. Like, it's the same thing. Like, they had to learn with Alex Smith. They get Mahomes, and then, you know, everything turns up. I, you know, it's strange because, you know, when I, I'll talk to friend, other friends who are Chiefs fans, and every time they would lose a game like this, I would say, this is a good sign. They've, they've, they've lost a game where, you know, they made the mistake they can't make, right? Like, in the, in the New England game, they fell behind and turned the ball over too mm-hmm. much, and they couldn't get any pressure on Brady, right? In the L.A. Rams game, it was... They turned the ball over too much, and you know they got in a track meet where their defense isn't good enough to do that. In the chart, yeah. So every single game, I'm like, okay, like they're learning from these close losses, and then ultimately, yeah, they did not win the AFC Championship game. But um, whereas the Patriots sort of have all those scars in their back sure. pocket, they have losing to the Colts in 05. They have, you know, like getting blown out by the Ravens in 09. They have all these losing to the freaking Eli Manning twice, right? So losing to Nick Foles. They have all these scars, and they sort of like are just battle-tested in that way. Uh, do you like my Patriots or the M- or MJ's Bulls and then the Chiefs or maybe the Showtime Lakers analogy? 
I I'm not that familiar with the Showtime Lakers. I would hope that eventually they would become like well, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I would sort of so I could also compare them like to a current team that you uh, maybe not the um, I wouldn't go with the Warriors. I would say the Suns, Steve Nash Suns. That that's a pretty good one. You know, I I just I just hope that they end up winning a title. Well, well, sure, <laughs> but, but I mean they haven't won one yet. But yeah. th- Nash was a generational passer. Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion, these were guys that mm-hmm. just they could do things no one else could do, and they and they took advantage of it. They Sean Marion, great, great free throw uh, shooter. His three point shot was so disgusting. All right, um, are so, we gonna... so here's a question. Yeah, just to finish this off. So going into 2019. I mean, are we are we to the point like Patriots, Chiefs, Colts, probably the three most likely teams to win the AFC given, you know, the the current betting markets, but also just kind of math. I mean, what do we need to see for the Chiefs to be unequivocally more favored to win the AFC than New England? I mean, are we ever going to know that until New England's effectively eliminated? That's a great question, and I would point to coverage. I have zero faith in Kansas City's defense to ever elevate itself above average, whereas I have great faith in Belichick to create an above-average defense by the time it matters. I would say that I would actually put the Chargers in there, too. Um, Mm -hmm. I know it's tough because they're in the same, but I think their defense may be uniquely... Um, you know, they're get, obviously they weren't able to do it against New England, but I think they might be uniquely capable of defeating some of these high-powered um, or slowing some they, of these. They beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead on the you Look, know, third I mean, they, of last week of the year. They so, have yeah. some tremendous players in coverage and pass rush, and they have a really good offense too. So I would definitely keep them in there. I mean, I think you just got to beat them, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> it's that, like it's that simple. But it, you just got to pull one of these out, and that's a super non-mathy way to talk about it, but. Like there's a mental edge that you've got to cross, and they haven't crossed it yet. So what if what if the Chiefs play mental line? What if the Chiefs play um, almost perfect football, and they go 14 and two during the season, and the New England does the exact same thing they did last year, which is kind of dick around all season, finish 11 and five, win the AFC AFC East by seven games, and get a get the two seed. Like, is there anything the Chiefs can do in the regular season relative to New England that would that would that would make you not bet on New England plus six hundred going <laughs> into the playoffs to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they go fourteen and two, and the Patriots are nine and seven, and <laughs> beleaguered and dying, sure, yeah, sure. But you know what I'm saying? It's so hard because, granted, the Chiefs struggled in losses to Seattle, and you look, know, I, th- stretch, I would not but. count your chickens before they're hatched. The Tyreek Hill thing, what he allows this team to do is real, and I don't know what the future holds for them. It's all about the 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 yeah. It's all about. The, I mean, it's a bad situation there. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. So um, we'll figure out a game for next week. I don't think we need to figure it out right this this very moment. Um, Moo had a good suggestion. What was his? Tampa Bay, Cleveland. We're going to alienate like 90% of the population. But Jameis is a good 90, talking point. 90% if of you're, 10 is nine. By the way, if you haven't read Peter King's Football Morning in America column, we sure. were... Uh, prominently, you know, uh, in that as PFF was sort of the we wrote it, yeah. so yes, prominently but, but featured. The two of us were prominently, sure. you know, we had prominent roles in that, that's, and then that's a good point. Um, 
And so in there was some Tampa Bay Buccaneers Cleveland, love. Cleveland, Tampa Bay. And Cleveland was Cleveland's a team that many people are interested in. Um, so I've watched I watched a couple Tampa Bay games this week just to prepare for a radio hit. Jameis Winston is a, an interesting cat. Let's just put it that way. So I won't say anything. You really set me up there. I an just, interesting just, cat. Just huh? eat the W's and get it an done. An interesting cat. I'm not going to say it. I don't want you to have to cut this out. He's, I mean, his goods are so good, though. Stop. All right, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans. Um, wow. When you go from Patriots, Chiefs to Titans, you really feel the drop off there. The Titans last year, nine and seven. It was a horrific year uh, with respect to just watching the team play. Right. Mariota was hurt. Blaine Gabbert was Blaine Gabbert. Um and a team that I think for the past couple of seasons has been sort of a Cinderella favorite. Maybe not favorite, but you always hear at least a couple people go, you know, you know, you should look out for the Titans. They've got this young quarterback. They've got this young defense. You know, they had this new coach. He's from New England, all these different things. Right. So when they went from Mike Malarkey, sma- exotic smash mouth to LaFleur, people mouth. are pretty excited about exotic it. smash mouth. Uh, they ended up going, though. Nine and seven last year, although it feels uh, sort of fluky here. They had a win with Blaine Gabbert against, uh, you know, teams that they have no reason beating. Um, Actually, Blaine Gabbert helped led them to a win against Washington. Led. led. Houston. Uh, Yes. uh, Yeah, we were four and three taking Tennessee games. Yeah. we we took both their games against Houston, went one and one in those. They shut out the Giants on the road. We liked we had them at plus two. Um, we faded them against LAC in London on a that was that game was not covered on a last second touchdown by Mariota, but then the yeah. missed two pointer. So that was a sort of a sucky one. Um, we liked them against Dallas on Monday Night Football. That was a good. Uh, that was Dallas's last loss before they went on their their stretch. So um, yeah, you know they 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 got off to a three and one start. They struggled for a little bit. Then they dump trucked the Patriots at home by three touchdowns. And then after that, it was kind of a yo-yoing affair for them. Um, probably their season highlight was winning Thursday night football against Jacksonville where Derrick Henry literally, you know, Just uh, went off. Yeah, he went all like beast mode on everybody. Um, that being said, not not a terribly bad roster, right? You still get their most valuable players. Corey Davis is a draft pick from a couple of years ago. He's solid. Kevin Bayard's a good safety. Jayon Brown, Jarrell Casey, Adoree Jackson, another first round draft pick. So they, they haven't exactly missed on a lot of these, you know, top end players. Um, the Malcolm Butler's Logan Ryan's have been sort of usable in the secondary for them uh, as, as free agents. Um, but ultimately, it's hinged upon the fact that Mariota has never been able to stay healthy and never been able to get in, into a rhythm there. Um, he was worth about one war a season ago, um, despite missing all those games. So he's not he's clearly not bad, but he's not he's not getting a whole lot done. Um, one thing that I really like for them, actually, after going back and watching some Tampa Bay games is the Adam Humphrey signing is not trivial at all. Um, he was worth about a half a win last season for Tampa Bay, despite a passing offense that had a lot of value with Godwin, Jackson, Evans in it. Humphreys demanded targets because he was open. Uh, Jameis hit him a fair amount. I think 
if Mariota can stay healthy, you know, that's a pretty effective passing offense. And you look at, you know, Humphreys and, and Davis, and I believe Delaney Walker's coming back from an injury. Like, they could actually have some uh, success there. Uh, given you know, um, you know, Lafleur leaves, but well, AJ Brown is a guy that was more productive than DK Metcalf in yep, in college. Round He's pick. a guy that played well both in the slot and the outside. Having guys that can do that is really valuable. I think it comes down to are they able to take advantage of the advantages that they do have? Right, Mariota's a mobile guy. I think they need to find a way to leverage that. Um, he's a guy that. I don't know if this is a great comparison, but the way that like Deshaun Watson, you know, he's not the most accurate guy, but God, he makes a lot of big plays. And one of the ways he's able to do that is he stresses the defense in so many ways. And I just think they've got to leverage that with Mariota or else they're never going to be an above average offense. Now, granted, they were basically an average offense last year. If you take out David David Blaine Gabbard, um, and all of the wizardry that he provided. And so can you squeak into the top 10? It'll take the right side of variance, right? You'll need those receivers to actually become playmakers. You'll need some of those guys in coverage like a Dory Jackson, who has been really hit or miss. I, you know, T.Y. Hilton just absolutely <laughs> ate his lunch uh, multiple times, times last season. So, But they got Amani Hooker in the draft, a guy from Iowa that we really liked, um, Nate Davis. And so on the offensive side of the ball, right, Nate Davis is a guard from Charlotte, you know, uh, and they got Roger Saffold. So they're trying to solidify those two uh, you know, guard positions, although Davis could play tackle. Um, so there's some benefit there. They got Ryan Tannehill to back up Mariota, which Tannehill was awful a season ago in Miami, but he's a better backup than Blaine Gabbert. True. Um, you know, obviously with the Humphrey signing, it, you know, and so I do think they got a little bit better. The Jeffrey Simmons draft pick's a tough one to stomach because he's not going to be able to play this year, but generally a pretty good, pretty good pick from our opinion. So they did get a little bit better. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people like that pick. I, I don't understand picking a guy that's not going to play for you in the well, first but, season. And so, they, and this drags me all the way down to this question. I, I'm, 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 I'm okay with the idea that the Tennessee Titans got better. The question becomes, did they keep pace in the sure. AFC South? Because. In my opinion, I think Indianapolis is trying to lap everybody. I think Houston is moving in the right direction, um, both from a personnel standpoint, but also uh, just the fact that they have a young quarterback who's better already than Mariota is. And then Jacksonville was in the AFC title game two years ago and have kind of gotten rid of some of the bad things that are that have been... Don't a, talk about Blake behind his back like that. Nathaniel Hackett, too, although John Filippo is a his replacement. But so... Tennessee could do all these things right and still finish fourth in the AFC South, in my opinion. And I, and I don't see it as that rare of an occurrence. Your love for Nick Foles is, I don't know if it's hate for Kirk Cousins or love for Nick Foles, but there's something what, that about, he's better. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really something I've ne- You brought that up, by the way, you threw that in my face in the gym which is not fair because that's just a people like that come up to us at the gym and be like you work at pff because we just blow in my story now no it's like we'll get to that a little later your take don't try to dump water on your fiery take that nick Foles is better than kirk cousins it's amazing no no it's it's a it's a strange topic and by the way if you want to go to profootballfocus.com we have an article about kirk cousins today 
it's strange. We talked about this with the Vikings last week. I think Kirk is better at more things than Nick Foles. But I think the things that Nick Foles is good at could win you a championship. It, it's strange, but like I think yeah. the I think Kirk's ninety percent of Kirk's Kirk's feature space is better than Nick's. But the parts that Nick's are good at, like can win you a title, whereas yeah. I just never see the cars in a Kirk Cousins deck. That's the difference. Yeah. I right. same thing with Keenum too. I, I think like, Kirk's a better yeah. quarterback than Keenum, but Keenum is capable of doing things that Kirk's not capable of. I I don't actually disagree with that. What I really took umbrage with was the whole if I had to get lunch with one of them. Like I choose Nick Foles every time. I don't. Th- I think that's a that's an egregious. Are you take. kidding, Kirk? Yeah. Okay, I I'm fully. I would choose for what it's worth. I think I would choose Nick Foles, but I don't think it's as different of a I think situation. The, I think the gap. You're is probably eating different food. Like so, after I don't know what Nick Foles' diet is, but like at least you can trust that Kirk Cousins is going to put you in a food coma. Nick Foles would have gone to Manny's in Minneapolis, as opposed to like the newest vegan place. Well, I've heard bad things about Manny's, so well, you can take that up with the Minnesota people. But the thing, my thing is, is I have like multiple. There, there is, there's no way Manny's isn't even close to the first place I would go in Minnesota. If I had the, if I had the opportunity to eat dinner with Kirk Cousins or Nick Foles ten times, it would be Foles ten times, no matter what mood I was in. That's if I was in this lame ass awful mood, take, I would have dinner. That's with an Nick awful just take. To make it me all stems. Lame. It all stems from you being mad that Cousins didn't go to a steakhouse that has had its time passed over in uh in minneapolis my concerns that's with Kirk sad. as a person have that's sad are not based upon one as anime. a mathematician you should be more even-handed okay but i will i will come <laughs> back and say my issues with kirk as a person have nothing to do with one data point that's true all right this went off the rails quickly uh over under for the tennessee titans set at eight and a half not surprisingly, uh, the over is plus money and the under is minus 140. Um, you have to pick right now. Uh, with those odds in mind, would you still be going under? Uh, I think it's more of a no bet at this point. I think we... Yes, we, but that's not an option for you. We printed You've got to choose over or under. We printed the under a few weeks ago. Actually, some things have changed You know, in terms of like... Yeah, you know, the, the way in which we like the coaching aspect of it, right? Because right. the new offensive coordinator and everything. But um, given the way that it's currently constructed, I would clearly go under here. I think you we get an under on sixty, almost sixty four percent of the time. So that's still worth laying one forty four. Yes, I am there with you. I just Mariota is a guy that's in the middle. You know, he's a cluster three, cluster four guy. He's in the middle of the, the pack. He's a, you know. Here is something, though, and I've personally bet this. Their probability of winning the AFC South. So, like, I've got, and now currently I think I'm bet online. It's like plus 450. I don't think I'd do that, actually. Um, yeah, maybe I would. There's still some value there, I think. But, like, the Titans are in this weird place where I I have simultaneously bet their under win total and the pro- and them to win the AFC South because there is this sort of mismatch in the betting markets right now. Indianapolis is even money basically, or minus one ten to win the AFC South. And so what's that? That's doing that's piling a lot of probability onto those other teams. And I get with right. Houston, they they have the toughest schedule in the NFL. But like 
the reason we like Tennessee's under is not because we think they're going to go four and twelve. It's because sure. we think they're going to go six and ten, nine and or seven and nine, and all these other teams are going to be better than them. But if that's not eight fu- eight. if that's not fulfilled, like if Indy has a quarterback injury or Houston, you know, hits, seen that before. hits the skids or Jacksonville does what they do, like Tennessee could very well win that division at nine and seven, and like you know. And, and so I like them. I, I, I weirdly like those two simultaneously, even though they're complete opposites. Yeah, you also stay up till midnight to bet WNBA, but that's neither here nor there. I, I for one, think that's a very shrewd uh, bet on your part, and uh, I may or may not have invested similarly. Should we talk about week one? Let's do it quickly. Okay, so week one, Tennessee goes to Cleveland. Uh, when I prepped for this, it was mi- Cleveland was minus five with when the total we did the video for total, it that has not yet been released. Total of forty five and a half. Um, five seems like a lot, doesn't it? Five seems like a lot. So uh, this is another simultaneous thing. I am on the under overall, but I think the value in week one is certainly there. Five is a lot. Um, if we look at just you know using our basic uh, ELO power ranking more of a three-point game and i agree with that i the public is very down on the titans and marcus Mariota. marcus Mariota was a guy who was 10th in terms of accuracy throwing to open receivers he's not like he's not playing gabbert so uh to me there there this is the opportunity um if you don't want to wait till the end of the season to uh invest a little bit in the titans i also think that the Browns, I almost called them the Cavs, which I didn't want to do, but the the Browns are a great, uh, a great, like, as, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but they're a team that could certainly come out the gates thinking they've already won nine yes, games, I, 10 games, 100%. and then all of a sudden at halftime realize that they're down 10, yeah. and be like, all right, we got to eat this one out. Um, so I am bullish on the Browns overall going forward past in future yeah, yeah, seasons yeah. and think that the titans have there's value. a good example of this so like uh, seattle when they were starting to get good with the legion of boom there were i think either consecutive seasons or maybe just like one season where they opened on the road against carolina who was a far inferior team and they had to eke out like a two or three fo- you know four point win i think that's exactly this right i think a team that like they believe their own hype all this kind of stuff. They come out of the gates a little flat. Tennessee, right? There's a lot of new things going on, so they're trying to prove themselves almost right away with the offensive coordinator and you know the Mariota and Humphreys and AJ Brown and everything. And then they 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 give them a game. Now, what do you, just briefly on the total? Forty five and a half. A little high. A little low. I really have. I hate to bring wind into it. Ooh. But I don't know. So <sighs> Browns kickers always give you some concern, yeah. right? And so with totals, it's always. I just an have issue. a personal problem. Like it's very hard for me to bet on an under. Yeah. In general, it is. It is one of your what you hate to do. Yes, you hate to see it. So I think I would go over. Yeah, and I you, think I think early in the season. So the, it's weird, but like, and maybe I mean, this we is, saw this last year, yeah, right? Maybe it's maybe it's just from last year, but early in the season. With the, when the weather's relatively good and rules are sort of slanted towards offense, you always sort of think about an over. But yeah. And that's where kind of our numbers are. I'm not going to release them yet, but that's kind of where we're sitting there. So, um, that's the Titans. Anything else uh, that you have for the Tennessee Titans? 
Nashville, no, Nashville is a great place to yeah. go visit. If you have not visited Nashville and your team is playing the Titans this year, I recommend heading to Nashville. Great food. One of the best food cities out there, whether it's cheap food, like their hot chicken, if you're into spicy stuff, you've got to go check it out. If you're into fine dining, they also have great place, great places. There's a place called Husk there that I've been to three times now, and it is awesome. They're, um, they get steak from this like tiny little farm in the middle of nowhere, and it's, it's ridiculous. Speaking of Nashville, stories from the YMCA. I was in the locker room the other day. Oh, no. And that's how all great stories start. And um, I was actually kind of in a hurry because I was trying to get back for our Friday meeting on time and I was on pace to be early usually I'm like on the minute I'm there um, and so I'm pumped up about myself because I'm going to be early and some guy of course is like hey man uh, you th- you're on the, the PFF podcast and uh, I was like yeah that, that's me and he's like oh nice man I we're on our way down from uh, Cleveland we're headed to Nashville famous um, you know we love your stories about this place we were stopping here for a night we figured we'd come check it out uh, I think the guy, I, if I remember correctly the guy's name was Levi and I think his buddy's name was Tevin probably getting that wrong Gosh. mixed up with someone else I'm terrible with names but Levi is an easy one to remember they were both talk about some northern Ohio names right both awesome awesome guys in fact there were we talked about how there were two dudes drinking coffee <laughs> the whole time we were working out and the guy's like yeah i couldn't figure it out i didn't understand why they were just sort of like drinking coffee and not working out so uh shout out to those guys if you're in the area i recommend the cincy ymca it is a great place to work out uh here's my story from uh the why actually happened this morning so some people like to mix up their, you know, set of whatever they're doing, right? So they'll do exercise A, go to exercise B, you know, maybe exercise C, and then, you know, kind of circle back. A little rotation, right? Which I have no problem with. Do whatever you, you got to do. What I have a problem with is a rotation that takes you literally around the block and then 20 minutes later back to where you started to the point where no one could in any way conceive that you'd possibly be back at, at where you started. So this happened to me three times today. I'm trying to get some abs in at the end of my workout and I just keeps like circling back. He literally like leaves the room, comes back in, <laughs> moves all the settings around. Um, and there's only one, uh, GHD machine, uh, at the, at the Y, which is infinitely more than zero. So that matters. Um, so yeah, don't be that guy. You yeah. never do that in fairness to you. No, I'm a pretty get in and get out kind of guy at the gym. Um, yeah. Oh, I also saw Gronk at the gym. Like retired, like like retired. No, like dude years with later. an injury on every appendage. Oh. <laughs> like you know, body armor. He had two knee sleeves. They were totally different knee sleeves. Like one was like you know blue, the other was black. Had like a strap. Best part about this guy is he hadn't come close to breaking a sweat. And he's taking like five minute phone breaks in between, you know, some set of like, yeah, he's doing like tricep extensions or something or whatever. He needs, you know, knee sleeves for all this stuff. And and then he decides he like kneels down and he's doing some weird pull over the head thing. And I literally was about to ask him if he wore knee pads for this exercise or not. But I resisted. 
My favorite are the people that have the knee sleeves, but when they work out, they're on like the ankles. Mm. So they like they they let them like lay down. Yeah. So like you think like oh that person just got done playing basketball or doing something strenuous, but they're just often for show. I do agree with that. I will say that I think sometimes people try not to use them until they get up to a heavier weight, mm. which I also have a problem with. But at least they're using them in some way, shape, or form. Those are the stories from the Cincy YMCA. Despite them, great place. Check it out if you're in town. Uh, head to ProFootballFocus.com. We've got Kirk Cousins' article up there. Uh, we've got Week One games. A Come, preview, yeah. They're coming soon. Um, they're coming soon. Next week, uh, I think uh, you'll start to see them up. We're putting a lot of work into them, so hopefully you'll enjoy them. Uh, if you have any hatred, you know where to go. YouTube.com or PFF underscore Eric. Peace out.